It's our time. Our time. All the lights, the stuff, the activities that went on here in town yesterday, what you see in stores and in malls, and all of that reminds us it's our time. We have an entire month when we're anticipating the arrival of the holiday known as Christmas. And we know, without a doubt, it's far more than any gifts that will ever be under a tree. They simply symbolize the magnificence of what it is we remember in our time. And this being our time, when we have an entire month to think about it, last week, as we were concluding our study in the book of Hebrews, we suggested that it's our time to speak. That maybe, during the course of this month, it would be awesome if, as we as believers, would be looking for opportunities simply to insert the name of Jesus Christ into a conversation, in a place, to bless somebody else, to be reminded that Jesus Christ is the one who came. I just, I'm curious, anybody giving thought to that and anybody attentively did that intentionally, did that this week? Anyone at all? I've seen a few hands here. I see it. Thank you. Thank you for being a blessing to those. Yesterday, while I was putting on some finishing touches and working with the lights for the home for the holidays thing, uh, there were the people who do the horses. I don't know the people who do the horse-drawn carriage. I don't know them. I know they show up at stuff, but I don't know them. And she got to talking about the lights on their, on their, uh, on their wagon, horse-drawn wagon. And I thought to myself, you know what? <laughs> she mentioned to me about their lights. I, I want to live out what I asked our people to be living out. And so how, how, what can I say here? And I simply said, because I'm working with the manger scene, I simply said something to the effect of, you know, you can never have too many lights when we're talking about the coming of the Savior. I just pointed to the manger scene I'm working on. And she had talked about her lights. And she said, amen, thank you. I sense that maybe, I don't know Maybe she's a believer. We didn't have time to continue talking. I wouldn't know, but it hit me. I thought, you know, when, when I threw this out a week ago, wouldn't it be great if God's people used this month to intentionally share the name of Jesus in some context? Wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it, that be great? Because there are people in darkness who need to be reminded. That was my thought. We need to speak that word of light that name of light into darkness. It never occurred to me that, guess what, the person hearing it may also be a believer. And you know what? They're blessed to hear you speak the name. And then her response to me was a blessing in return. Because I thought, wow, I think this person might be a believer. And that little exchange was just a lift. So it's our time. It's our time to speak. Well, as we return to the book of Hebrews now, and we began dissecting and digging in a little bit into Hebrews uh, 13, 8 8 and 9, which is actually a three-part series that we're running here, uh, we remind ourselves that the book of Hebrews is making a strong plea to the readers, a strong plea to remain focused on Jesus Christ, that he, the book as a whole, is presenting him as the only timeless certainty for whatever uncertain times any of us may be facing. 
And in order to remain focused, Hebrews 13, 8 and 9, I think indicates to us that a clear understanding of who Jesus Christ is, is necessary to keep us focused on him. Because when we understand who he is, we're not going to need to focus anywhere else. We're not going to want to focus anywhere else. Anything else pales in comparison. And Hebrews 13, 8 and 9 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Don't go off on, 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 some, on some rambling offshoot of thought and thinking. You don't need to go there in something strange, something that tickles the ears. So there's one place where our thinking needs to always be anchored. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So clarity on who Jesus Christ is. And the author made that overarching statement to give us clarity. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we noted last week, by looking at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we noted last week that perhaps what the writer was thinking about in saying yesterday caused us to look way way far back in time, prior even to the very creation itself, because Hebrews began, this book began with this, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's. And we noted with that, that the yesterday of Jesus Christ is an understanding that he is the one who before space and time as we know them even existed, he did exist. In fact, he's the one who brought them into being. So he obviously had to be there in order to bring space and time into existence as we presently understand them. So the introduction to this book was laying the groundwork for this magnificent truth, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we began the discussion last week with this thought. Christ is the same as he, as he was before time, that is, yesterday. And that's kind of where we were thinking about how we were interpreting this concept of yesterday as it pertains to this statement about Jesus Christ. Well, this morning, I wanted us to consider, you might guess this, if you brought your A-game today, John Wickstrom, you'll guess where we're going already. All right? We're going to consider what the author meant by today in saying Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I am, just lay it right up front, I'm interpreting that concept of today as Jesus Christ presently, He's not describing the singular day on which the author penned the letter of Hebrews. So that if he was writing on, say, today, Sunday, that yesterday meant Saturday, today means Sunday, and then it goes on from there. He reached all the way back to eternity past in speaking of yesterday, and then he speaks of Christ presently as far as him speaking of today. Once again... The opening verses to the book of Hebrews help us on this as we move into verses 3, 
We read, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he, is, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, you, those verses sound familiar to you because we started right there a number of months ago in the book of Hebrews. Now, think about this. Did you, did you catch what was said? This idea of Christ being presently seated. It's repeated four times or spoken four times in the book of Hebrews. As we come to Hebrews, and I want us to see them, because each one says something just a little bit different, but all referencing that same thing. So if you noticed in verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. This time that he created, he existed before time, he will exist after time, he is the one who created time and space and matter. Not only did he create them at some point, but he upholds them, even now, as he is seated at the right hand of the throne, upholding everything that we see. Seated, after accomplishing his work of purging our sins, upholding everything that we see. Then notice as we move to chapter 8. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. The main point. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. Once again, his role as high priest references him having purged our sins, offered that sacrifice that would actually accomplish something. And that having been done, having carried out his role as high priest, he then was seated. And here the emphasis is focused on the authoritative place in which he is. He is seated in the throne of the majesty in the heavens. And he is seated there as the one who is the high priest of the true tabernacle. Not the placeholding tabernacle that we talked about of the Old Covenant. But this is the true one that could actually accomplish something. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Once again, we have this picture of the one who came, offered himself. That was followed by him being seated at the right hand of the throne. We also have another element that is placed into here in not only contrasting the role of of this one who, as the priests were continually standing, having to make another offering, having to make another offering, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, they kept making these offerings, always standing, always have work to do, because they were simply in the placeholder piece. What we find out is two things. 
He made one offering because it was effective, because it actually accomplished what all those other offerings simply symbolized, because it is not the placeholder, it's the real. He made it one time, then he sat down. And so there's that contrast in terms of the effectiveness of his offering as opposed to the many offering of the priests through the years. But I find it also interesting that it says, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Yes, he is seated, and he is waiting for that time when he is made known as the King of kings and Lord of lords. We sang earlier about having a name above all names. That will be known to all of creation one day. Even to those who presently don't want to hear it, they will know it one day because he will be manifested in that way and he, having accomplished the real sacrifice, is seated in a place of authority waiting for that authority that he does have to be fully manifested to the entire creation. And then Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, this was our exhortation as he is our example of faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's the sacrifice, right? His role as the high priest, the eternal high priest, who actually accomplished something by the shedding of his blood, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Once again, His work as high priest was followed by him being seated. But we have this other element, who for the joy that was set before him. This is the one who is today. The high priest who, having accomplished his work, has sat down in a place of authority And what does he do? He sustains time and space that he has created. Having entered into it, he continues to sustain the time and space which he has created. He is one who has completed his work. He is one who is in a place of authority. He is one who is waiting for that authority now to be manifested as a later time to his creation. And he is one filled with joy for what has happened, for what will happen. That's the Jesus Christ whom we speak about when we speak. That's the one why we put lights up and call people's attention that God has done something special in time, space, history. And building on the thought from last week, I would just like to suggest we go a little bit further and and say this. Christ is the same as he was before time. That's yesterday. We saw that last week. And as he became in time. And that's today, who he presently is. As he became in time. Because he entered into the time-space realm that he sustains, having created it. Christ is the same as he was before time, that's yesterday, and as he became in time, that's today. First, Christ created matter and time. Then he manifested himself into the sphere of his creation. 
He entered our time-space realm. He was among us in reality. He was truly here. John, in his epistle, says, That which we have seen, that which we have heard, which our, which our hands have handled of the word of life. He walked in his creation, in his own creation, that he is sustaining. Galatians chapter 4 Verses 4 and 5, I can never get through a Christmas season without considering these. Such a succinct statement on what we're saying here this morning. Galatians 4, 4 and 5, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When the fullness of time had come. Remember our verse has a very, that we're looking with, Romans, or, or Hebrews 13, 8, same yesterday, today, forever. It's about time and how Christ doesn't change in the context of, or throughout time. He remains the same. And Galatians says, in the fullness of time, at that moment when God knew it was the right time, That time that had been promised all the way back in Adam when he first sinned. And God promised there would be one who would come and he would would crush the head of the serpent. He promised that there would be a deliverer. And we watched that promise unfold throughout the entire Old Testament. There came that fullness of time. When Christ stepped in to his creation... He invaded his own creation. God sent forth his son, the pre-existent, self-existent, second person of the Trinity, was now going to take on flesh. Greatest mystery history will ever know is this magnificent reality. Born of a woman, he came and experienced fullness of humanity. If Christ just began walking on the earth as a 30-year-old, letting people know I'm going to die on the cross for you, okay? And if he was indeed God in that context, we would never believe he was fully human. We would never grasp that. We would never understand that. He had to enter into the full experience of humanity to completely share with us our humanity, to completely be able to offer that perfect uh, sinless sacrifice. And that entailed being born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. And that brings us right back to that imagery that we saw the contrast in in the book of Hebrews so repeatedly. The imagery of the old covenant, which served as we called it last week, that placeholder, which was fulfilled in the fullness of time in the new covenant. So all of the imagery of these these, uh, priests with their repeated sacrifices going on for years and centuries was all waiting For that time, when their task as being a placeholder was done, and the real high priest, the eternal high priest, as Hebrews calls him, would step in now and fulfill everything that that was about. And it came at precisely the right time that God had prophesied. 
So entering the realm of our time-space existence, Hebrews 8 is telling us, as we see it described in in Galatians 4, entering the realm of our time-space existence did not change who he was, either who he was before he was manifested or having been manifested, having spent time on the earth, that didn't change who he was either. He still remained the same. It did not alter his deity in any fashion to have been commingled in, with human flesh. It's an amazing, amazing thought, friends. I also thought it might, just might not hurt us, and you won't see verses on this, it might not hurt us just to consider a progression of Christ in time. It's all stuff we're familiar with. And to remind us that nothing changed in the course of any of this. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. Joseph learns that, having learned that Mary is with child. He, of course, thinks what any of us would conclude for a young girl to be pregnant. And the angel comes to him and says, There's nothing to do with another man in the picture. That child of hers is of the Holy Spirit. He'll be called Jesus. He will also be known as Emmanuel, God with us. That he will enter this world through this virgin woman as fully human and fully God. Magnificent. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. Uh, no, it goes further than that. I, I've listed one and two, but you could pick it up right there. But it's the point where Christ is transfigured, right? He's transfigured, and you can go back and look at it, Matthew 7. Transfigured before his disciples. And the transfiguration that is taking place is the glory of Christ. The Shekinah glory is allowed to emanate from him, and these guys saw it. And the very presence of his deity has a, has, a, has a physical expression that was normally not seen. That was there to make a point. It was there to make a point about one day he will rule. His enemies will be made his footstool. This is the authority that he has. But the transfiguration during the course of time revealed Christ's glory. That's why... We sing those, that magnificent hymn, and I may break it down for us this year, I'm not sure, but veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. And the veil of his flesh was opened up for that time to reveal at his transfiguration, the true reality of his deity. And then we get to Matthew chapter 27. I find it very interesting as we have the scene of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And Matthew tells us very clearly at the time of his death and all of the physical, uh, physical evidences of what were taking place at that time that the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. 
Because the high priest had made a way, the eternal high priest, Christ now had made a way. There's no longer this, this wall that separates us from the very presence of God, which was, which was manifested to them on the other side of the veil, at, uh, on the mercy seat. So the veil is torn, and the centurion confesses, truly this was the Son of God. Even to a brutal Roman soldier, the presence of God in Christ was made known. It was so evident. It was so clear. But the story didn't end there, as you know. It would be three days later, and he would be raised from the grave. Which Romans 1 says, declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Again, declaring who he was by his resurrection. Without the resurrection, we wouldn't know one that as the high priest God had accepted the sacrifice of Christ. And two, we wouldn't know that indeed he truly was the Son of God. That he was God in flesh. Because he just died like anybody else died at the hands of the Roman government. And he'd have been off the scene. That was the intention in the first place, was to get him off the scene. But they couldn't get him off the scene. Because he was the unique one. God and man. In Acts 1.9, we also remember the incident where the disciples are with Christ. And they ask, are you now going to set up your kingdom? That's always wanted that kingdom to come and for him to be glorified in that kingdom. And they could reign with him and we're going to put down these Jewish leaders. We're going to put down Rome. He said, not now. You're going to wait in Jerusalem. Power is going to come upon you by the Holy Spirit. And having given that instruction, he began to ascend. And just the presence of God incarnate in the resurrected Christ just lifted and he returned to take that seat where he is now seated. You see, that's important, friends. Where would we be? What would our promise be? What would our hope be if Christ, having come back from the dead, then just went and experienced a normal, typical death after that? We'd go, well, what was that all about? Right? Yeah, he came back from, dead, from the dead, but that didn't seem to sustain And now with the ascension, we understand that he eternally is going to be the one. God in human flesh commingled forever. And he took that on for our benefit. So what I want us to get there, friends, from his birth to his ascension is all of these places where we see his deity, where we see who he was as he was here in time, space, history, where we are moved by the magnificence of his being, that God really did take on flesh. But as he did, he didn't change. He gave up nothing of his deity in taking on full humanity. So that somehow in this magnificent union that you and I do not understand... He is one person with two natures, the nature of God and the nature of a man. And that's who we celebrate at this time. That's why we have the privilege to say it's our 
time right now. Christ is the same as he was before time. That was yesterday. And as he became in time, that's today. Fullness of time had come. He entered time, space, history. And at the end of his high priestly ministry, he ascended to sit at the right hand with joy, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool, sitting in a place of power. Christ is the same as he was before time and as he became in time, and that makes this our time. Now, the book of Philippians offers us one last little bit of insight, and this is what pertains to us in terms of a practical outworking as we wrap this up. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, instructs us on the reality of Christ entering into our world to become our high priest who now sits as God's right hand, that place of authority, a statement of the completion of his work, and how that should impact our daily thinking and living. And notice what Philippians says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, that was yesterday, before time, Thought it not robbery, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, something to be grasped onto, that he, he couldn't give that up in any fashion, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient uh, to the point of death, even the death of of the cross, he carried out his role as the one true eternal high priest, and he went to the cross and offered himself on our behalf. Now, it's just another place where we have this picture reference for us. Why are you there? Because of those opening words. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the mind of a servant. One not having to spend his entire experience in order to maintain his glory and his power and his authority. He set the prerogatives of all of that aside so that he might come walk among men and women. He might enter into this time-space continuum that he sustains and that he now enters into it so he can manifest himself, so he can do the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf as our high priest. And he came as a servant, and Paul says, why don't we have that kind of mindset in terms of how we're going to live? So what I'd like to suggest, friends, it's our time to be servants. It's our time to serve others. Now, if you're like me, and you're feeling as overwhelmed as I am right now, you're like, oh, what are you asking now? But I'd like to throw out something simple again. I'd like to do it by telling you a story. Some of you have heard it before. And I apologize if you're like, yeah, that's the same old thing. When I'm hunting out west of Lake Bronson, generally my travels will take me by one farm home, which is actually quite decrepit now. Year by year, we're watching this farm site 
just decay. But I have good memories of that farm home. Because that was the home of Ray and Evie Johnson, both of whom have gone on to be with the Lord. During our time in the Lake Bronson, Lancaster area, somebody came up with the idea. They said, you know, wouldn't it be neat if on occasion we used a Wednesday night, which we're always getting together with each other. What if we used a Wednesday night to spread out? To think about some other people who maybe need the touch of God's hand of love just brought into their lives. And if we could just do that, just every so often, maybe we should try that. Ray and Evie took that challenge. Dear couple who love the Lord. And they were aware that not many miles from them, there was an elderly gentleman, I'm sure he was nearing you know, somewhere 90, maybe even more than 90, elderly gentleman, who only on rare occasions might darken a church door. Said, you know what? Why don't we just use one of these Wednesday nights among themselves? And why don't we just go bring a plate of cookies and go visit with Ole? So they did. I will never forget them stopping me the next week. They were in town stopping me the next day, all excited about the wonderful time they had by having brought a plate of cookies just to see Oli and just to visit with him. And how they laughed and they talked and they shared stories and how wonderful it was. From that day on, Oli was in church every Sunday he was able. He was losing ground at some point, as we all do, and I went to visit him in the nursing home in Halleck. And upon arriving there, there was no family there. The nurses told me he just died. He just died. So I went into his room and saw his still body and offered prayer on his behalf. And and we went on. It wouldn't be for some time before I would understand from Oli's grandson, who loved the Lord and was involved in Christian ministry, before I understood from Oli's grandson that Ray and Evie, with a plate of cookies, put something in play into Oli's life that he, for the rest of his existence, which might have been, I would guess, 18 months max, for the rest of his existence, he was regularly in church. And somewhere in those 18 months, he came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Because someone had the, took on the form of a servant and said, this is for Oli. We could think of 50 other things we could do with tonight. But tonight, we're going to take a plate of cookies. We're going to go visit with Oli. And his eternal, his eternal destiny changed. On something so simple. So here's what I'd like to suggest. I don't know what it will be. Again, I can't speak to each of us that there's one thing that we could all engage in. But what if, 
What if we considered one point amidst all the busyness? I get that. I get that. But we said, you know, I'm going to take on the form of a servant. So it's not just about me and my family and my friends and all the the hustle and bustle of the holidays. But I'm going to think for a moment, who needs a servant? Who needs somebody to come and just serve into their lives? It's our time. Our time to serve. And, And while doing that, here's the deal. All the lights the season it'd be very natural however we do that service to bring the name of Jesus Christ and speak it as part of our service wouldn't it nothing to it there were some years ago Miles Hogberg went and stacked wood delivered and stacked wood for a guy who his drug addiction would eventually take his life at a much too early of a day. It was during the holidays. You know, it's just natural in that context. Say, so I just want you to know, do this because, because Jesus came as a servant. I wanted to serve you in his name. It's not that tricky, friends. It's our time. It's our time. Let's use it to the glory of God, that eternal things might happen. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that Jesus Christ is so magnificent. And in that, out of that great magnificence, Lord, the one who creates time and space, time and space, who sustains them, who entered into them to be the high priest offering a perfect sacrifice that we might be restored to you, Father. Having returned to your presence, sits at your right hand with joy, having completed the work of our salvation, awaits that time when his name will be magnified among all of creation. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. But Father, it began by him being willing to be a servant. And I pray that you'll spur us, Lord, spur us to think beyond the bounds that constrain us in the midst of the busyness of the season, to think of someone we can serve in the name of Jesus. And if possible, speak his name into that setting. Move us, Lord, to be your people today. I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.